Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Patrick O'Connor missed that tackle. Here is an extra point that is yanked. What is the confidence level of Dan Bailey from 36? He is wide to the right. Good snap, good hold, kick, not close. See what Dan Bailey can do. He misses again. Oh, I didn't hear that. When I watched it live, I didn't hear the Troy Aikman set up there. Let's see what Dan Bailey can do here, knowing full well what Dan Bailey was going to do. Just miss another kick. You know, I don't. I don't know if there are such things as uh, special teams insurance policies at Federated. I'm gonna guess that's probably not one of the industries that they protect, but they protect a bunch of other industries. So you can find out more about how Federated can protect you as a business owner, not only at their website federatedinsurance.com, but if you click on the My Shield uh, app part of their website, you can find out about My Shield, which is your personalized online destination for risk management resources for your business. MyShield is available 24-7 and can be accessed from a computer, tablet, smartphone, or the MyShield app. MyShield's customizable dashboard organizes resources specific to your business. Federatedinsurance.com. Click on Meet MyShield. At Federated, it's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. How careful does a coach have to play it in this situation now that it's uh, stretched two games? Yeah, you know, at this point in time, it's, it's you know, we're not really worried about feelings anymore. Yeah, I don't know. I'm really disappointed. Uh, you know, I, I have a lot of faith in him. I have a lot of confidence in him. But, you know, these last two weeks have not been good. So, um, you know, I love the kid. He's a great kid. He's very even, even-natured. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It's like you talking about me. Yeah, he's 32 he's years old. Great. He turns 28 tomorrow. He does all right. You know, he does he's growing up. He's growing up right before our very eyes, missing kicks left and right. What a great kid. God. Man, I mean, come on. I bought candy from him. My doorstep. Yesterday, I loved his first, his first answer there, too. I think that was Don Mitchell from Fox 9 yeah. asking, sir, well, how do you sort of yeah. handle this going forward? And Mike Zimmer's like, what's the best way I can put this? We don't care about his feelings. We just want him to make kicks. That don't, that don't put us behind the eight ball down by three scores in the second half unnecessarily. Um, we, we got our pie chart to blame. We'll get our silver linings and things we learned in NFL Sunday. But before we get to our pie chart to blame here, are you guys like, did you guys wake up this morning thinking more about the micro 
wow, what the hell happened yesterday in that game against the Buccaneers? And, you know, what do the Vikings do this coming week to replace Dan Bailey, et cetera? Do they call 47-year-old Adam Vinatieri? Like, were you guys focused on the micro, or were you guys like me, and you went to bed and you woke up this morning, and you're thinking about the Vikings more in the macro, which is, yeah, like, definitely fix your kicker situation. That's been a problem for 10 years, off and on. But the macro being, are they really on the right track to win a Super Bowl after what we saw yesterday, after what we've seen all season? Like, is it as simple as, you guys, once Daniil Hunter comes back, then this thing is full bore, ready to rock and roll, and now you're ready to get back to the NFC Championship game and make some noise? I woke up thinking uh, the same thing that I've thought for quite a while now about this team after it got off to a 1-5 start. Uh, and while I was curious in, in sort of a car crash rubbernecking sort of way to see the Buccaneers game, because I didn't know how that would turn out and it was perfectly a disaster. But um, I basically yesterday confirmed to me it's the continuing confirmation, OK, that if you take the question that you just threw out, Phil, which is, is this team on the does it have the right blueprint on the right track eventually, not right now to win a Super Bowl? And I keep coming back to this. I really think this team is built wrong. Like I think this team is built wrong. I I'll give you a, I'll give you two stats. Okay, two stats to me summarize yesterday's game. It's December of 2020. Okay, it was 80 degrees, I believe, in Tampa. It was a gorgeous day. It was a day that the pass should have thrived. <laughs> the pass should have been in. The pass should have been hip. It's 2020, and there was no weather problem. Okay? Here's your stats. Targets. Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, combined 12 targets. Combined seven catches. Com- um, individually, 39 yards apiece. Okay? That, to me... Like, if you were to ask me, Judd, why do you think it's built wrong? That's why. I just honestly think that if you're, and and I said this on Ventline yesterday, and I will say it again. I do not think that Mike Zimmer is a bad coach. I have serious questions if what he wants to do, not if it can get you to the playoffs. I think it can if your team is good enough. Can it get you through the playoffs to a Super Bowl? Yeah. And my answer unequivocally right now and this might be with Cousins at quarterback, is no. With Cousins at quarterback, because Kirk has Kirk's faults, and I understand that Kirk has the football in his hands. But we are talking, when we're talking about the stats that I just gave you for for Thielen and a rookie superstar, when we're going through those stats, that's not all Kirk. That's philosophy as well. Yeah, man, like, I feel like every time, and I spent way too much time on Twitter last night, just conversing, shall we say, with Vikings fans. You like to brawl with people on Twitter. Yes, you do. You really do. Well, I think I sort of do, but not like you. I sit there and I'm watching Sunday Night Football and, you know, (laughs) hanging out. I've got got nothing else to do. Come on, cocktail in hand. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sitting there last night and I'm, uh, I'm conversing with Vikings fans. And everybody wanted to keep pulling it back to, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, why are you even bringing up anything that doesn't have to do with Dan Bailey? Okay, so let's just let's just throw it out. Dan Bailey had one of the most historically inept days as a kicker in NFL history yesterday. We get that. It was terrible. But 
for all the things that Judd just talked about and everything that we've talked about this season on Purple Daily here on Mackie and Judd. Again, I found myself thinking less about, oh, which kickers can they bring in for a tryout? Should they cut Dan Bailey? Like, that's yes. going to happen. He's probably going to lose his job today. But is it as simple as, boy, if Dan Bailey makes those kicks and Daniil Hunter comes back, this is a Super Bowl team. And maybe you think the answer is yes. Maybe some people think the answer is yes. I think the answer is no, and I'm more interested in that conversation going forward. Um, but I think we should at least fire up the pie chart of blame here so we can merge the two discussions together. Now on Mackie and Judd. This chart makes it as clear as I can to you. The pie chart of blame. You want to blame somebody? The Rock knows how you feel about pie. Oh, real quick, Dex, you answer the question. Are you thinking, like this morning, Are you? did you get up thinking, yeah, that Dan Bailey thing yesterday, that's what's on my mind? Or, or were you thinking, well, 20% chance to make the playoffs, and now they're under 500 halfway through December, and they got a couple injured guys. Were you thinking more micro or macro? I, I was thinking more micro. I mean, the kicking literally cost them the game yesterday. And I'll say this. I, I agree that the Vikings are not on the, like, the, the best path to get to the Super Bowl soon. I can admit that. Their, their defense is a mess. Their offensive philosophy is a little behind the times. But this, this year, this 2020 season, has been so strange that I think anything can happen in the NFC playoffs this year. Like, I hate the cliche, well, anything can happen, just like in hockey. Get in the playoffs, anything can happen. But in the NFL this year, I think it's so, like, the Eagles beat the Saints yesterday. So I think anything can happen once you get in. So if you can fix that and get in the playoffs, I think it's a whole new ball game. But in general, my gut tells me that, yeah, this is not a Super Bowl team. That's kind of how I look at it. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's for sure not this year. Right. And I think the question is, like, are they a couple tweaks away from it being a Super Bowl team next year? And, boy, uh, I'm, I'm going to need a lot more yeah. alcohol. To the Rock knows this. how you feel about pie. A lot more Corona hard seltzer. That's right. Judd, what is your pie chart of blame off that loss yesterday? So it's small, but it's not one person. It's three pieces. Oh, wow. Because oh, okay. I, I don't believe, I don't believe g- giving the whole thing to a kicker is truly engaging on my part. It's not. There's no effort there. Also, I mean, if we, I 100%, come on, no, we, no effort. Are we 100% sure if he makes, well, if he makes all the kicks, it's 10 points. And so then the Vikings are at 24 for the game. Yeah, and they also don't, and if he makes the 54-yard field goal, Tampa does not get the shorter field to get that touchdown. Yep. So it probably does sway that game in particular. Yep. Um, but still, I can't do it. I can't give 100% to a bleeping kicker. So I will start at the bottom. 5% uh, pieces of pie go to the offensive line. Uh, and this is partially on Kirk as well. But nonetheless, in the past two games, he has uh, been sacked a total of 10 times. The six sacks that the Buccaneers got against him and the takeaway yesterday is a season high. And um, we're sort of back to... They can really run block, but they can't pass protect. And for all Kirk's faults, I will say this for him, for Kirk Cousins, McKirkerson, Phil's guy. We know what he can't do. I'm not taking full ownership of him as much Hold as on, I was last week. you took full ownership last week, Kirk, Kirk McKirkerson. We know what he can't do. And you know what? He is prone to pressure. He is prone to um, basically dropping the football at times. And so it can't, you can't say, well, you know, those sacks are on Kirk and Kirk has to learn. Okay. The days of Kirk like advancing and, and learning are over. He just is who he is. So 5% offensive line. Um, Jacksonville, Tampa Bay, 10 sacks. Ugh. 5% goes to actually, I think the thing 
that bothered me most. Because the Bailey thing is just so obvious. So what bothered me most gets a 5% piece of pie. And it's offensive play calling and philosophy, okay? I love this. I'm you, I'm worth it with you. You are down. You are down. And now and now Vikings fans are like, well, Judge, you tell us, Mr. Negative. You you tell us. I got a note from, from a guy that claimed that I wrote my column that appears on scorenorth.com in my mom's basement, to which I had to inform him my mom and dad are dead. I was not in their basement <laughs> writing that. I might have been in a basement, but I was not in their basement, okay? Parents are dead. I mean, I'm 51. You think my parents are alive? Um, offensive play calling and philosophy, 5%. You're down 23 to 6, okay? And I understand it's the third quarter, not the fourth. But 23 to 6 to me on the road is cause for, wait for it, I'll say it slowly, urgency. Urgent. You mean you mean it's t- urgent it's taking journey 45 said. minutes to go down the field uh, with CJ Ham when you're down by 3 scores Tyler might not Conklin. might not be the best strategy. Um, the 15 play drive featured <laughs> featured seven seven completions all of them from Kirk to tight ends or running backs. <laughs> CJ Ham like they didn't throw to so Jefferson stupid. or Thielen. So they're so down by 3 scores and he won't throw the ball to Jefferson. It takes 75 yards. That's fine. 15 plays not fine. 75 yards is fine. It takes 8 minutes and 33 seconds off the clock and when you do score it leaves you with 133 left in the third quarter. You bled the quarter dry, okay? You also ate up two timeouts. Um what was that drive? And like where is the awareness of situational football, which is you've got Thielen, you've got Jefferson, you've got the football, you got to score, okay? And and you know these things, and you act like you act like you're up. That's what drives me nuts. The Vikings are so built around a defensive philosophy that they always act like they're up by ten. Yeah, you're down. You're down twenty three to six. It's uh, also like really so hard mathematically. That would drive me crazy. A fifteen play drive mathematically is really hard. Like especially if you you know if you start inside your own yeah. five yard line or something, but you know you start you start a drive at like the twenty or thirty yard line to even have fifteen plays work out like they all have to be like six yard plays. But think it's about what amazing. I just said though: seven passes, like it was C.J. Ham, Tyler Conklin show. Yeah. Like when 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 do you go to practice? When you're installing your game plan on Wednesday, do you tell the players, "Okay, guys, hold on, Tampa's never going to see this coming. What's that, coach? Are we going to go deep to Jefferson line? Oh no, no." Oh, contrary. Ty Conklin and C.J. Ham. So 5% offensive play calling and philosophy, and that involves Mike Zimmer, Gary Kubiak, Kirk Cousins as well. Uh, and then 90% poor Dan Bailey. And we're recording this episode of Mackie and Judd. It is uh, 10-16-46 in the morning on Monday. Dan Bailey still employed at this point. Uh, I'm guessing there might be some point in time when people tune into this when he won't be employed as of right now. He is, but ninety percent goes to a guy who, who uh, last week against Jacksonville started to show some problems. What two missed PATs and a missed field goal attempt towards the end yeah. of regulation, but nothing like the meltdown that we saw on Sunday. Three missed kicks and an extra point. Uh, the first player to have that hat trick plus since a Washington kicker in nineteen sixty one. Nineteen sixty one. So it's literally been. Since kickers were still coming straight on and missed all the time, and and and, and, yes. mo- and most kickers were like linemen or tight ends that they just ran out and, there, right? And uh, 
Uh, Carlson in game two of 2018 in Green Bay missed three field goals, but he actually did not miss an extra point in that game. Yeah, he was great with the extra points. He was he hit all the extra points. All right, so what recap your pie chart again? Okay, so five percent O line, cousins sacked a season high six times. Five percent offensive play calling and philosophy, which I simply was puzzled by. And 90% does go to kicker Dan Bailey. Okay, I did not put offensive line on here. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. Um, if I did, like, and it's not because they played amazing. If I did, Dakota Dozier would probably have the biggest chunk of the pie. He was just a total disaster in that game yesterday. Such a disaster, in fact, that the first sack of the game, he was like the guy bringing Kirk to the ground. He literally wrapped Kirk up and brought him to the ground. I don't know if he was trying to protect Kirk from fumbling or what he was Half doing. Half a sack. Super he should weird. get half the sack. Yeah. He threw him down. God, With the weird. other guy, he threw them both down. I would, I would also say, you know, I think I'd have to go back and look at all six sacks, but it strikes me just thinking back to the game that two or three of those were maybe coverage sacks. This is where it would be great to watch the game with the all-22 cam so you could see on some of those plays where Kirk drops back and it's like two seconds, three seconds, four seconds. And he's the ball. Is you know, are there nineteen defenders out there? Are they? Is there nobody? Is, should he have thrown the ball? Is it? Is it just great coverage? We don't know until we get the all twenty-two. So I have four pieces of pie for you guys here for my pie. The Rock life. knows how you feel about pie. I'm just going to start with seventy-five percent. So there's no ambiguity about who's to blame for this loss. Dan Bailey gets seventy-five percent of this. Okay, he was historically bad, as Judd pointed out. And, uh, and and I'm not going to sit here and repeat all the things the judge just said. I'm going to add to it. I saw that our friend Paul Allen tweeted out. He was one of the only ones defending Dan Bailey, and he and and PA tweeted out. I'm paraphrasing. He's one of the most historically accurate kickers in NFL history. You don't just cut bait on a guy who's that accurate. This is more of a dark cloud special teams problem. He didn't name Maloof, but it sounds like he's saying. Maybe they should look to change up the vibe in the coaching room before they should change out Dan Bailey. I would listen to that conversation because clearly special teams across the board has been a disaster all year. Sure. But I want to address the most one of the most accurate kickers in NFL history thing, okay? When Dan Bailey signed with the Vikings three years ago, right? This is his third year or the way or second year. Third, third year, year with the Vikings. Third okay? year in. Um he was coming off a seven-year stretch with the Cowboys, and it went south at the end, where he was the second most accurate field goal kicker in NFL history. He's now dropped down to 11th on that list, okay? So, and by the way, of those 11, nine are active current kickers because kickers are just way better now than they were 10, 20, 50 years ago uh, when you had club foot guy knocking a, was it Dempsey? Who's the Dempsey guy that yeah. like had a half a foot and knocked a 63 yard through, right? Yes. Like, kickers are great now. With half a foot, yeah. So, with the Vikings, I don't have this data, but with the Vikings, he has not been one of the most accurate kickers in the NFL. He was pretty good last year, but uh, but he would not be anywhere near this list if you just took his Vikings career. Yeah. So, it'd be one thing if... I hear you. If, like, that, there was that one year where Mason Crosby was, oh, yeah. like, just couldn't make a kick, like, 10 yeah. years ago for the Packers, and they said, this feels like a blip on the radar. With Dan Bailey... He's had some accuracy issues off and on for three years, and last week was a red flag. And you know, this and he's is, thirty-two. Yeah, like this isn't a time to sit here and say, well, maybe we can just like give him a couple more weeks. You need to win out yes. to get to the playoffs. Yes. So if if you need to just get a kicker in who's not mind bleeped right now, that's the move you have to make. This, this would be the time to actually stick with Daniel Carlson. Like young guy, you're not that great, right? Yeah. Like you, you might say, you know what? It's really bad now, but. 
Bailey's 32. There's no but. Yeah. You're I just mean, a veteran <laughs> who who they picked up off the street, and now you can't make a field goal. Yeah. So I Unfortunate. Would, I, I would be shocked if And by the way, though, those misses on Sunday were not in the Tampa area code. They were basically going to Fort Myers. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, like, this is not a, oh, he hit the upright or something. This is a, my God, that... That kick's going to St. Petersburg. Did you see one? I think it was after he missed the first two or three. I can't remember if it was uh, if it was when they were deciding between extra point and going for two, or if there was a fourth down situation. It was like fourth and they had a couple situations where they might run the kicking team out, and then they either go for two or go for it on fourth down. And one of those, they showed Dan Bailey on the sidelines, and he does like the three step jog, like oh, we're going out. But it was it was a total fake job. It was like fake confidence. Like, oh, we're, it's we're right turn or go. And then you could tell, like, biggest sigh of relief ever when he saw the offense staying on the field. Him, yeah. <laughs> and then they kept showing him walking the lonely, slow walk over to his That last walk and, was brutal. Oh like, like he avoided Zim completely on purpose. Yeah. He, he, like, took the roundabout way to get back to the sideline. He did not want to hear it. So sad. So 75% of the blame on Dan Bailey. If he, if he doesn't leave 10 points on the board, this game is probably different. I don't normally do what I'm going to do with this next 15% chunk of pie, but it goes to the referees. Okay. And I hate when people do this. Like, the referees are, you know, they're they're always out to screw the Vikings. Like, no, they're not. Except for yesterday. Okay? You had at the end of the second quarter, going into halftime, two of the most egregious, if not like blatant, corrupt calls with Roger Goodell (laughs) sitting in the crowd Probably wanting Tom Brady to play deep in the playoffs because they, they need all the TV ratings they can get with no fans in the stands, right? You had the hometown clock operator stopping the clock at one second to help Tampa get another playoff and get a, get a spike off at the 50-yard line. I just want to like go back and watch that play again. They complete that pass with like six seconds to go, maybe seven, if I'm not mistaken. And you're telling me with a 43-year-old quarterback and a bunch of 300-pound offensive linemen that yep. they ran back to the line of scrimmage, lined up, ball gets placed, get the snap off and the spike in six seconds? And Joe, Joe Buck said the exact same thing, too. It's ridiculous. Like, Joe's like, hey, it looked like there was an extra tick in there. Yeah. <laughs> and somebody slowed it down. Somebody showed the play clock and the game clock. And the game clock stopped at one second. And two or three more seconds ran yeah. off the play clock. Before they blew it all dead, so you clearly had like you know like Warren Sapp's cousin or some you know longtime Buccaneers fan wearing a wearing an orange jersey um, in the in the press box, and then and then it's like all right, well whatever. I mean, nice job, clock operator guy. You got him a hail mary at the end of the half. Congratulations. And then of course, for the first time in at least a decade in the NFL. We get defensive pass interference on a hail mary. Kevin Seifert looked it up. Couldn't find. Any pass interference calls defensive on those plays going back to 2009, and it sets them up for a chip shot field goal. Only three points, but just everything about the first half, the missed kicks for the Vikings, the deflating calls, the hometown clock operator, and then the three points to put the Buccaneers up by more at the half. Like It was all a lot to swallow if you're Minnesota. So 15% to the refs. I'm also giving 5% to an archaic offensive approach that only knows one speed. Judd already highlighted some of this, but if you're if you're up by 14 points, what's the strategy? Pound the ball to Dalvin and find backup tight ends in play action, right? But 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 if you're down by 14, 
No, let's just do the same thing. Pound the ball to Dalvin <laughs> yeah. and find backup tight ends in play action and make sure C.J. Ham gets mixed in there yep. on every snap, too. All about the run, baby. So just an archaic approach. Like, you're down by multiple scores. You got Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Irv Smith had a pretty big game yesterday. Just, like, bust it out. Throw the ball down the field. What? And also, and this is where I would put Kirk in this equation, too. You have permission when you're down by 14 or 17 mm-hmm. to take some risks. Josh Allen last night was down by seven and taking risk or down by three or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And he's just like throwing the ball into double coverage to Stefan Diggs because you might get a flag. He might just catch the ball because he's amazing. And there's just this. And I'm sure Kirk is being told since the bye, like, don't throw any picks. But they should amend that to be don't throw picks when the game is close. Or when we're leading by 10 points. So when we're down by 14, you need to take risks down the field. I got a theory, uh, and, and it can only be probably proven by going back to watch the L22. But here's my theory, and I think it's what Tampa Bay did, and I think it's actually pretty smart. Um, I think what they probably did was they they thought that the Vikings would become would be convinced if they run, 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 that Tampa would suck its safeties up. And Tampa's like, no. We're, let we're let Cook run. We're good. We're going to take away Thielen and Jefferson. And I bet you, because I, I think that Kirk and the offense as a whole, Phil, is risk adverse enough that if you just leave your safeties deep, they won't throw deep. Yeah, that's what it felt and like, so right? If Dalvin, so if Dal, I mean, I guess you're saying if Dalvin Cook can beat us, he beats us. But what we're not going to do is allow the threat of Dalvin Cook to beat us with the deep pass. Yeah, especially once Tampa took a lead there and like once the Vikings missed a couple kicks, it just kind of felt like the Vikings, like everyone's kind of celebrating, oh, Dalvin's going, he's going to go for 100 yards. Yeah, and the Fox Tampa, Tampa's like, honestly, that's great. We'll give you the 100-yard trophy. Congratulations. Yep. Uh, cool. You can take your, you're down by 14 points, 17 points, and you can just take your little four and five-yard chunks and let the clock run. We're totally fine with that. Um, and then my last Chunk of pie is 5% to Mike Zimmer for two reasons. Number one, he psychs out good kickers all the time. Blair Walsh had a historically great rookie season. Mike Zimmer comes along, and Blair Walsh is like out of the league five minutes later. Um, Daniel Carlson, good enough to draft in the fifth round. And Mike Zimmer immediately in training camp is like, I don't know, this guy seems like he's young and not going to make he He starts going for two-point conversions in preseason games to keep his young kicker off the field and then cuts him after a bad game. Yep. Uh, and then and then Dan Bailey, who, again, he was he was not quite the old Dan Bailey when the Vikings signed him, but he just like goes complete mental in this game against the Buccaneers. The third kicker that this has happened to. And then reason number two for the Mike Zimmer slice of pie, he can't beat winning teams. And we'll do a deeper dive on this later this week on Purple Daily, I'm sure. But Mike Zimmer is yep. now 14 and 33 against teams that finish the season with a winning record, or in this case, for this year, teams that are projected to finish the season one win with a winning year. record. Yeah. Um, now, you're not going to have a gangbusters record against winning teams, but 20 games below 500. Mike Tomlin, for instance, is above 500 against winning teams in his career. Above 500. Pete Carroll, above 500 against winning teams in his career. Yep. So, if, if again, if Super Bowl is the goal, that's what we're judging Coaches, quarterbacks, everything based on here. You can't be 20 games below 500 against winning teams. So 75% Dan Bailey, 15% refs, 5% archaic offensive approach that only knows one speed, and 5% to Mike Zimmer. Jacqueline? The Rock knows how you feel about pie. Just two pieces of pie. (laughs) Two pieces of pie. Uh, 90% to Dan Bailey. 
90% Dan Bailey for all the reasons we've talked about. For God's sakes, I, I don't understand how you can't blame this loss on him. Um, he was absolutely awful. We're still recording. He's still employed. Uh, I would bet that he probably is not on the Vikings roster here in the next 24 hours. Everything you guys said about Dan Bailey, I'm not going to repeat it. So 90%. But the other 10% of the pie goes to yourselves. You beat yourselves in this game. The Vikings did. They completely beat themselves. They outpossessed them. They were marching down the field. The first quarter looked like Tom Brady was cooked. I was ready to reshare my audiogram from June about how that Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback than yeah, Tom Brady. It was bad. And then uh, you crapped the bed. There was refs obviously working against you. Yourselves working against you. And it was very, very hard to watch because I, I really thought, for the most part, the Vikings looked like the better team out there outside of the missed kicks and penalties and everything that happened against them. So... Just two chunks of pie. So it's an abbreviated pie chart for me. Ninety percent to Dan Bailey and ten percent to yourselves. Yeah, I think that's fair. Here's a nugget too on the. I don't know if this is like to go against your last point there, but I just found this on the the team stats page of the box score here because you kind of think back to the game and you're like, God, the Viking. It feels like the Vikings outplayed the Buccaneers, if not for the kicker and then a couple like weird things in the first half. The Buccaneers averaged two more yards per play than the Vikings did yesterday. The Buccaneers averaged 6.2 yards per play. The Vikings averaged 4.4. That felt about right, yeah. So the, so really, the, the the Buccaneers just ran like 30 fewer plays than the Vikings. This is where time of possession is such a, just a fake. Now, if you're trying to give your defense a breather, that's one thing. The Vikings ran 76 plays to the Buccaneers 49. And time of possession was 39 minutes for the Vikings, 20 minutes for the Buccaneers. And you might think, well, that's... Great, you won the time of possession battle. Right, but the Buccaneers are averaging six and a half yards per play. Mm-hmm. They're gonna they're gonna score more. Like they're gonna do more damage, they're gonna get more first downs, you know, per play. So time of possession, not always what it seems to be if you're just dumping off to CJ Ham the whole time, is what I would say to to the Vikings. And why can't you adjust in game? Like why why didn't you? Why can't you? If if they're going to basically give you the run, okay? And and but they're going to take away the pass. You have to adjust. But like you just can't accept. Well, Mike, it's Gary. Yeah, Gary, what's up? They've taken Jefferson away. Nothing we can do now. Okay, thanks a lot. Bye. Like he's, he's, he's what's that? Be a decoy now. What's that? What? What is that? <laughs> no, you can't do that. It, it's it's a very it's a very bizarre philosophy when you can't during the course of the game do something. To basically counteract what they're doing, or at least try it. And, and are you saying, "Hey, look, we just don't trust Kirk"? Well, like this sort of this sort of came down to, well, boy, if they're going to put the safeties back, we we can't trust Kirk. Well, if you can't trust Kirk there, what are we doing here? Like, why why are we here then? Mm-hmm. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. Careful, Judd. Get out of Florida. Careful, Judd. You're but I'm almost defending the ripping Kirk Cousins territory. I'm almost defending Kirk. I'm damn near defending Kirk and saying, saying in Kirk's defense at that point in time, you got to go. I have one Kirk, one Kirk thing to bring up. One Kirk thing. Not don't Kirk. He's your guy. He is my guy. Mister. I like how you got rid of that hat already. I didn't get rid of it. It's a Terry hat yesterday, and now you just you're done with Kirk. Yeah, I would. I honestly like. Vinatieri is only 47 years old. I, I, I know he was bad. Four last years year. younger than he's. A, he is a to quote Mike Zimmer, a young man. Wouldn't that be kind of fun? Wouldn't I love that, the kid. Wouldn't it add a little spice to next week's game if Adam Vinatieri, in all his Santa Claus glory, was in a Vikings uniform? Who kicks you guys off? Be down for that? Who kicks off then? Uh, the punter. 
Here. Cold and Vinatieri yeah, kicks. Can, can it's off. at the 50. No, it's just at the 50. <laughs> okay, I have one Kirk thing. Yeah. I just want to throw this out there. Yeah. We can do this more later in the week okay. on Purple Daily. But we are always, and by we I mean just like the Vikings fan we, Vikings media we, in such a rush to exonerate Kirk from fault. In a game like yesterday, well, it wasn't Kirk's fault. Are you saying it was Kirk's fault? Are you saying... Whenever they lose, it's like, well, it wasn't wasn't his fault. Right. It's this thing's fault. It's that thing's fault. It's not his fault. And I'm so sick of having the whose fault was it discussion. And I'm more interested in the who is the reason why they're winning games like this discussion. Are there things that can be done at that position this year or long term that elevate a team when things are at fault? When the offensive line is at fault, when your offensive line gives up 14 pressures against the New Orleans Saints defense yesterday and your Eagle starting quarterback runs around for 100 yards. And what did you say on the 14 pressures, Declan, that you found this on Twitter, that they they gained 82 yards on those plays? He was pressured 14 times. And on those plays, the Eagles gained 82 yards and took zero Negative place. Are you saying Kirk couldn't do that? That's, That's the line. Now, what about the line? Now, Kirk did run for 41 yards yesterday. Kirk so was he, tar- does, he does deserve he credit for that. He was Tarkington-like at times yesterday. Scrambling yeah. fool. He was, uh, they should have put a spy on him yesterday. I don't know what the, what the Buccaneers are thinking. Cordell Cousins. But we just like, we, we, we constantly dive into this. Like, are you blaming Kirk? Is it Kirk's fault? And I think the conversation should shift short-term and long-term toward is the most important position in the sport on your team yep. able to elevate you often enough yep. to beat teams like the Buccaneers, to beat teams. Answer me this, though. With Kirk or your pick of a quarterback on Sunday, Phil Mackey, do you think that the Vikings offensively, with what they went in as a game plan and philosophically, gave themselves the best chance to win that game? I'm, I'm taking out Kirk. I'm just saying from what you saw of the style that they played, which I am to assume they, that they – would have played with Cousins, mm-hmm. Elway, Breeze, or Rodgers, okay? Do you think that that gave them the best chance to win, putting this above per- Kirk's pay grade? No, I, I, it's it's a little bit of a trap question in that, let's say you were to give Gary Kubiak a more mobile, dynamic quarterback, okay? So maybe we sacrifice a little of Kirk's accuracy. I mean, Jalen Hurts is the relevant comparison for today. Um, a couple people were, were in my timeline last night. Um, about Kirk's historically great completion percentage, for instance. And I love completion percentage. I want accuracy back there. I want a guy that can throw some darts and can, you know, just hit a guy in stride like Adam Thielen. That's great. Absolutely. I would sacrifice like five percentage points of accuracy for an uptick in mobility, in just dynamic ability to keep plays alive. That's where the NFL is going. And it's almost becoming a prerequisite to win a Super Bowl. And so, if you were to give Gary Kubiak a more modern, mobile, dynamic quarterback that wasn't quite as accurate, I have confidence that Gary Kubiak would make alterations to his system. Now, maybe Mike Zimmer would come out and say, no, we're still going to sit back there and hand the ball off 30 times, eye formation, yep. cram it down their throats, and yep. maybe that maybe it becomes more of a Mike Zimmer discussion. But right now, I think they're doing what they think they have to do with a more limited, like a physically limited quarterback in Cousins. And by physically limited, I don't mean accuracy. I mean, he's not going to get outside the pocket and do Jalen Hurts things and do Russell Wilson things. So they're they're playing to that, and they're trying to sort of just, like their first priority is 
don't throw an interception, right? And he's got that in his head. When they're down by 14 points, he should be willing to throw interceptions. They should be telling him, dude, it's Justin Jefferson time. Let's make this happen. Let's five-play drive. Let's get in the end zone in five plays or less. Let's go Golden State Warriors on it right now. And instead, to your point, Judd, their mentality is, okay, we're down by 14, but that's okay. There's plenty of time for three possessions in this game yep. with our nine-minute drives and, that's and what our Kirk said. jump-offs to Tyler Conklin. Kirk, so, so Kirk was asked about that that drive, the 15-play drive, and Kirk said flat out something along the lines of, it didn't bother me because we had a lot of time. It's like, no, you don't. You don't. Do, do you understand? It's the third quarter. Also, too, like you're down 23 to six. You don't. And you're on the road. You don't have a lot of time right. here. And you can't assume that they're not going like you can't assume that the Buccaneers have shut down their scoring for the day either. You can think, well, we, okay, we're down by 17 points. We're probably going to have time for three more possessions. This is great. Right. Right. But they're probably going to score again, too. Right. <laughs> well, but that's but but you just hit on what I think is the disconnect with the Vikings and the coaching staff. I think Zimmer thinks, no, they won't. My defense will hold them. And I personally look <laughs> at that and say, Mike, look at your defense. It's not 2017. Yeah. So the, pro- the disconnect is, is they're operating under a thought process that existed at one time. It does it now. And instead of, of saying, oh, my God, Phil, you're right. We're probably, you know, it's Brady. Our defense is not great. We're not getting calls for sure. We we probably will give up at least seven more points, if not possibly ten. Um, we got to go. They say to themselves, "Oh no, no, no! You don't understand. I'm so uh, I'm such a good defensive coach. We'll hold them." And that's the issue. Like, there's just a lot of red flags to me. If you look at the stats from yesterday. And you look and watch the game and gave it the eye test. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of red flags about how you're operating and the fact that to me it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And again, there, this is micro macro. All of the things we just said, we get it. Dan Bailey's the reason why they lost that game yesterday. Totally get it. Dan Bailey was a disaster and had a meltdown in front of the world, in front of the number one broadcast crew on Fox. He's like, a good kid. Okay. Great kid. He's Love a 32-year-old kid. kid. He's just a great kid. He's an amazing We've kid. We've always loved that kid. Yeah. How careful does a coach have to play it in the situation now that it's uh, stretched two games? Yeah. You know, at this point in time, it's, it's you know, we're not really worried about feelings anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so much. Uh, quick feelings. Quick trip around the room. Viking mm-hmm. silver linings. Whenever they, whenever they lose, we still wrap this thing up with some silver lining. So, Judd, go ahead. My first one is obvious. It is uh, it is the, the play after missing, I think, three or four games and two consecutive games, but coming back at tight end, Irv Smith Jr. Uh, and the statement off of that is he needs to become a primary part of the passing game, okay? Ty Conklin, God bless him. Rudy was hurt. God bless him, too. But Irv Smith Jr., who who finished yesterday's game uh, with four targets, four catches for 63 yards, and a very nice touchdown. Irv Smith Jr. is the future of tight ends. He's a hybrid. He is partially a tight end, partially a receiver. Uh, he can be, I believe, ultimately dynamic. That is, to me, the biggest shining light of yesterday's game was the affirmation again that Irv Smith Jr. can be a key part yeah. of this passing game. Yeah, it's, it, it does kind of make you wonder, like, 
what are they doing with him? Why is he? And I get that he's been injured the last month. Like he's had a back injury and stuff. And I think he had something else early in the season, like an ankle. You know what they're doing, Phil? They're running Dalvin more. (laughs) I know, but let's run Dalvin some more. God, he was the uh, highest graded player from PFF yesterday. Irv Smith was for the Vikings. Yeah, ninety-two point six grade. Second half, Dex. He looked damn good. Yeah, he was awesome. Give him a chance. He just moves at a different speed. Yesterday was probably also. If you're looking for ways to open up salary cap space for next year, love Kyle Rudolph, great in the community, said a really good Vikings career, might be a Ring of Honor guy. Judd thinks he's for sure a Ring of Honor guy. Oh, 100%. You don't need him on the roster. First year. You, right? Hey, guys. Yeah. Dude, every target, in, right? every target that guy gets that Irv Smith doesn't get yeah, is it's like a waste sacrificing of... seven yards after the catch. <laughs> yes. Minimum. It, yes, exactly. Thank you. So. Um, my silver lining is is more of a woulda, coulda, shoulda. I mean, injuries happen in the NFL, but I'm just imagining what that game would have looked like yesterday for Tom Brady, 43-year-old statuesque Tom Brady who had all day to throw in most cases, and even with all day to throw, had some just egregious overthrows. He had three in the first half that were like, whoa, are they going to have to bench him? What's happening? But if Eric Kendricks and Daniil Hunter specifically would have been playing in this game, I think Kendricks would have made it tougher in coverage over the middle, and I think Daniil Hunter would have thrown Tom Brady off of his old totem pole base at least five or six times yesterday. But the Vikings just they just don't have the guys that can do what they need to do to put pressure on quarterbacks week in and week out. They have games here and there. They dialed up some pressure, and they brought Harrison Smith a couple of times. But um, that game looks different if Daniil Hunter and Eric Kendricks are playing. Does it look different in that you think the Vikings can win a Super Bowl? No. And that's what's going to happen the rest of the year in the offseason. People are going to say, well, I mean, Daniel Hunter's going to come back, and so everything's going to be fine. No, like, set your well, sights higher. Have not, higher standards. He might not be back, too. That's a whole thing, that too. Contract the neck, the contract ask is a lot. Um, I, I do think that if Kendricks runs on the last or the uh, second to last play of the second quarter. I think if Kendricks runs with Gronk and bumps Gronk, they don't throw that flag. I don't think Kendricks gets that flag thrown. Do you? Um, I don't think so either. I mean, I think that is number 40. Who the hell is that? Todd, what? Yeah. Ah, let's throw the flag. Let's penalize this guy. Let's throw the flag on him. All right. Dex, what's your silver line? Yeah, mine is uh, you didn't run Dalvin Cook into the ground. You only touched the ball 22 times yesterday. That's still a lot. And it's, but it's not 30. It's not 38. He touched the ball 24 times, technically. Okay. Because he caught two passes. I thought it was, uh, okay. So 24 times. And a little bit, it's a little bit indicative, too, of the score. They were down multiple scores, but it's a, it's a trend in the right direction. This team still (laughs) loves running on second and long. So Dalvin Cook didn't touch the ball 30 plus times for the first time in like a month. You're right in that, like, him, him only touching the ball twenty four times. Oh, it's a day is, off. It's like a it's like a bye week for him. Yeah. If he were to touch the ball twenty four times a week on average over the course of a season, we're talking about three hundred eighty four touches, which would be second most in Vikings history at the reduced pace that we saw yesterday. Yep. So it's amazing. All right. Uh, before we get to things we learned on NFL Sunday, any other just quick final thoughts on? Ah, uh, yes. Um, the the one. Silver lining potentially from Bailey's terrible day was this. That two-point conversion to Jefferson looked really good, and I think they're on to something that might work. Not that play every time, but the point being is I wouldn't be afraid to go for two more often. 
Yeah, and that, I think there's some there there. Well, but the only reason Mike Zimmer did that, it, it, I know, it was the analytically sound decision. But the only reason he did it is because he didn't trust Dan Bailey to make an extra point. I know, but didn't you see that and think, yeah, you know what, you you have the the infrastructure offensively to do that. Absolutely, like you've got the people to do that, but they're not they're not nice school enough to do it. I know, but I'm trying to find a positive to get to uh, Zim. I mean, and TCO. The positive would be if the kicker was on fire and he still said, this is the analytically sound thing to do. Cut it to nine so that we can win the game later as opposed to playing for a tie. I'm just telling you, I think that that if you you sat down and said, you know what? We can do this. There's a lot of two-point opportunities here. There's a lot of things if they were to sit down offensively and say, you know what? You're we right. Do this. You're right. You know what? I'm trying to find a silver lining. Damn it. Yeah. All right. That's enough of this. Viking. Vi- <laughs> that's a, that's enough of the positive. Let's move back on. Dan Bailey time. Well, Purple Daily will have a full slate of Viking statements too today, so you can check that out. And Vikings Vent Line. It was our longest episode of the year so far for obvious reasons. It was basically just Dan Bailey Vent Line for the first hour. So you can check that out on YouTube.com/slash Purple Daily Podcast. Or you can subscribe to the uh, audio podcast feeds, Apple, Spotify, scorenorth.com. Things we learned on NFL Sunday in just a second. Mike Yo's hoping that he won't get fired. Zolgad's calling for his head. A long losing streak, could it soon mean the end? With players coasting like they're dead. Everybody knows a goalie and some shorthand goals. Help to make the season bright His fault or not Mike Yo's time could be up He'll find it hard to sleep Tonight You know Chuck Fletcher's on his way with one more bad loss, this could be Mike Yo's last day. And then a retread coach could be here soon to see if Pominville can bust out of his swoon. And so Yo's melting down in practice now. Cracking his stick against the boards You've heard it's been said Many times, many ways Here's a pink slip For you Football 
Boys, let's uh, let's go around the rest of the NFL and things we learned on NFL Sunday. Judd Zolgad, what's on the top of your list? On the top of perusing my, on the top of my list is I learned that I owe an apology to somebody. Actually, a whole team, an apology, and I, I'll mea culpa. I am so sorry. And that apology goes to our <clears throat> our friends not too far from here at Lambeau Field and the Green Bay Packers. And here's why. Hmm. Last year, 13-3, and three, right? And what did we all say? But I was on this train the entire time. That's not a 13-3. and three t- that's, the fo- that's the phoniest 13-3 and three I've seen. Oh, no, they're not that good. No, no, I... No, oh, man. Now, now I'm, not, I'm not saying that I didn't feel that way at the time. But where the apology comes in is when you follow 13-3 and three with 10-3 and three, and a second consecutive NFC North division title, which the Packers clinched with their win at Detroit on Sunday. And you are right now fighting for the top seed in the conference, and um, you're tied with the Saints in record, but you're actually in the top seed right now. I owe the Packers an apology because the Packers, for two consecutive years now, have put together pretty damn good seasons. Um, I dumped on you a little bit last year and i probably should have pulled my punches a little bit more yeah they're they're probably going to win at least two of their last three so they're going to get 12 or 13 wins this year again correct but still like when they get beat it's such a predictable thing when when they face a team that has a great pass rush and can punch them early and run the ball a little bit yep they're they're a bit of a soft front-running team in that regard and that like tampa bay Smoked them thirty-eight to ten earlier in the year. Uh, the Vikings came in and said, "Boom, we're going to pound it down your throat with Dalvin." So if if they run into a team in the playoff that says, much like San Francisco last year, that says we are going to run it right up the gut down your throat and turn this into a wrestling match, not only do they not do well, they tend to just wilt and get smoked in those games. And Rodgers doesn't come back. So I, I would still have. I, I don't think twenty-three can, wins in two years. Though, saying like, is pretty good. But if they get their asses kicked in a similar game in the playoffs, doesn't it mean that you were kind of right? That like, yeah, congrats. You won some games. You have Aaron Rodgers. That's great. But you only you have one what? Super Bowl with one of the greatest the, quarterbacks of the all great time. Thing about my job, I can decide to rip them later. That's true. That's so point. right now, Mia Culpa, Green Bay <laughs> Packers. 23 wins, past two years is pretty damn good. Football. You know, I feel like I learned a lot of things uh, this weekend, but I'll start with Jalen Hurts because he's been a topic on the show today. It's amazing what happens when you get a mobile playmaking quarterback behind center. Am I saying that he's going to be the second coming of Pat Mahomes? Not saying that. We don't even know if he's going to be a longtime starter. But yesterday's game was a great example. When we talk about the ability to overcome your team's deficiencies, the talk all season long about the Eagles, in addition to Carson Wentz having lost his you know magic touch, they have no weapons, their offensive line is garbage, you know, what look what Carson Wentz has to work with, nothing. And so that didn't change from week to week, right? The Eagles presumably still have nothing on the roster. They have no good receivers, they don't have a dynamic running back, they don't have a good offensive line. What changed from week to week for them to be able to go out and beat one of the best defenses in the NFL the way that they did? A mobile, dynamic quarterback who can keep plays alive, who can run for 100 yards, and uh, Jalen Hurts, add him to the list of guys that are changing the barometer for what quarterback skill sets should look like. For a long time, it was the statuesque pocket passer 
that ruled the NFL for years and years and years. And over the last five or six years, the prototype is different. You used to draft for guys that looked like Peyton Manning, right? Matt Ryan. Yeah, big. And just guys that are big statue pocket passer guys. Kirk Cousins is sort of one of these guys, too. And now, the more you get the Jalen Hurts and the more you get the Tua's and the more you get you know Pat Mahomes at the top of that list and Lamar Jackson, um, I think the harder it is to just have a pocket passer. That guy has to be so good and so honed when when his other peers are running around and keeping plays alive like Jalen Hurts was yesterday. So I learned that the Eagles might have made the right decision here, and uh, the team certainly, I think, has responded well to Jalen Hurts. Declan? Yeah, I had, I had Jalen Hurts getting freaky. Jalen Hurts got freaky for the Eagles yesterday, but I'll pivot a little bit. Um, I learned that even when Pat Mahomes has an off day, the Kansas City Chiefs can still win football. So yesterday, Kansas City, uh, or uh, Pat Mahomes, excuse me, a shaky day. Two touchdowns, three picks, still threw through a 393, but still wasn't his best performance. And they still found a way to beat a Dolphins team who is like everyone's been sleeping on. Like Tua Tagovailoa looks awesome. The Dolphins are eight and five. Like I don't think anyone saw that coming either. And even when Pat Mahomes, who's obviously the best quarterback in the world, has an off day, they still figure out ways to win football games. So I still learned the Kansas City Chiefs are damn good, even when their quarterback doesn't rise up and come through. How demoralizing must it be if you're the Dolphins and someone were to tell you before the game, you're going to pick that dude three times today and get your asses kicked? Yeah, and still lose. <laughs> The Chiefs' speed. The Chiefs' speed is just unbelievable. Yeah. Like, Tyreek Hill, I think, has oh sixteen god. touchdowns now in the season. Oh my god! Football. Circle back to me. I learned that the Saints need Drew Brees back, and they need him back now. So T- Taysom Hill had won a couple of games with Brees out, um, and then he played against the Eagles and Jalen Hurts on Sunday. He did not look great. The Saints lost that game, and I think Taysom Hill. I think he is a very scoutable quarterback. And and I, I think if you start to take away the, his skill set, which is probably pretty small, that he's probably going to be lost. So yeah. I learned that if the Saints are to uh, catapult above the Packers again and get the top seed in the conference, which they probably deserve. I mean, they, they probably are ultimately the best team in the conference. Uh, Drew Brees needs to come back soon. I think he is going to come back soon, and I would count on him almost certainly starting that Christmas Day game against the Vikings at the Superdome because if you give Zim a diet of Taysom Hill, I think Zim makes his life miserable. Well, I mean, miserable. Zim, Zim has made Drew Brees' life miserable yes, a he couple has. times, too. Yeah, he has, but I would prefer to take my chances with Brees. Uh, but yeah, so Taysom Hill, I think... Is an athlete. He's a backup quarterback, but I think his act has probably been uh, deducted and and uh, game planned for. And the Eagles took a large step towards doing that. Don't you think it's shaping up for if if Breeze comes back, let's say for that game on Christmas Day? I don't know if they're going to want to run him out there this weekend and then immediately on that Friday. I mean, sure. they've they've got enough wins now. They are fighting for. They like that first round buy. And that buy, yeah, that buy is a big deal. So you know, I. Maybe they rush him back this week, but he's probably going to play in that Vikings game on Christmas Day. If that's his first game back in like two months and Mike Zimmer sort of has the Drew Brees kryptonite, this is sort of shaping up if the Vikings want three straight victories to end their season. It's shaping up nicely for them. Who's kicking field goals? Get that out there. Who's kicking field goals in that game, Phil? Me. Santa Vinatieri. Yeah, someone. <laughs> he does. Santa Vinny. Great ball. Yeah. Yeah, man, he's an old man. Give him a break. 
I learned that nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills offense. Last night, they took on a one-loss Steelers team that... That's, that that undefeated record for uh, three months seems like a bit of a mirage now that we've watched the Steelers crumble the last two weeks. But the Buffalo Bills, they got the Josh Allen pick right when a lot of people ripped them. Who's this inaccurate dude from Wyoming? We made fun of the Stefan Diggs trade and said, yeah, okay, have fun with upper deck shot Josh Allen I running around like an idiot. And yeah, he has become one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Yep, Mobility, big arm. Not afraid to take risks down the field, and that's what happens when you when you put weapons and a big arm quarterback, and you and you coach him up, and you cut him loose. Last night is what happens, and the Bills ran away in the second half in that game. And I mean, I don't think anyone's on the on the Chiefs level, but like in a fight for that second tier, the Bills have inserted themselves in that conversation with the Saints and with uh, probably two or three other teams. So fun to watch football. On the opposite side of that, I still think the Steelers are a damn good football team. I know they've lost two games in a row. You're going to go down with that ship, aren't you? Yeah, I, I am. They 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 had to play the Redskins on five day rest. The Bills are still a very good team. I'm a big believer in beat up the teams you should beat, and the Steelers have had a very soft schedule this year. There's no doubt about that. They've kicked the crap out of the Bengals, the Jaguars. They beat the brakes off of Browns, is a good team. They beat the Titans, who are a good team. I think uh, the Week 17 matchup against the Browns is going to be a real fun one, probably in the AFC North. That one might get flexed. I wouldn't be surprised. But I still think the Steelers, who have the number one defense in the league still, Ben Roethlisberger, who isn't who he was, but is still a darn good quarterback, I don't think the Steelers are frauds by any means. I still think they're probably the second best team in the AFC. Yeah, I think it's all relative. Like, are they frauds? Like, are they Super Bowl frauds? I think they're Super Bowl frauds. Sure. Are they, like, win the division and win 11 or 12 games frauds? No. Like, the, they're a good team. The problem in this league right now is, and the Vikes have taken advantage of this as well. There's so many awful teams that they, you get a false false sense of security about the average teams. Yeah, that's probably fair. Like you just beat up on teams and you're like, oh, look at what the Vikings have done. Well, you beat Jacksonville and Carolina and you lost to Dallas. In the AFC especially, every division has like two dumpster fires yep. except for maybe the AFC North. So Ducks is right there. I, I mean, they, they definitely beat up on the teams that they should, but the problem is then it, when they play a good team, you're like thrown off by it. Like, did you guys see? Speaking of dumpster fires, did you see the sequence at the end of the first half by the Chargers? The Chargers. Go Chargers! No. So they do. I'm paraphrasing it here, just <laughs> as I remember it. So they had the clock was winding down. They're in field goal range. They were at like the. They were just creeping up on the red zone, mm-hmm. and I believe it was third down and one or third down and two. No timeouts left. Clock ticking under 20 seconds. Okay. Yep. So a lot of things happening here. Like, you'd like to get some points before the half. Ideally, you could convert a first down. You still have 20 seconds ticking, even with no timeouts. In the red zone, you have a chance to, you know, maybe get a first down, throw throw into the end zone a couple times. Sure. So they call the run play on on third down and two. They convert the first down, I think, if I'm not mistaken. It was close. And so the clock is ticking now at, like, 18, 17, 16, 15. They're scrambling to line up for another play. Uh, actually, you know what? It was fourth down. So they didn't get the first down, if I'm not mistaken. Anyways, they rushed their field goal unit on with like six seconds to go. And the clock runs out. And they kick a field goal anyways, like as the clock's running out. And uh, it was just an example of like, you've got Justin Herbert and a bunch of idiots running around. And a coaching staff that probably needs to they're be. They're all going to get fired, I think. Yeah, they're going to get fired. Don't you? Football. 
All right, I got one more for you. Fire away. I learned that despite the fact I don't probably agree with how he went about it, Stefan Diggs made a really wise career move. I referenced the statistics and box score from what transpired in Tampa, Florida on Sunday. And, and then let's go to the Buffalo-Pittsburgh game where Stefan Diggs playing for the Bills now. Ten receptions, 130 yards, and a touchdown. Stefan Diggs' means of, of trying to force his way out and ultimately succeeding from the Vikings, probably not the greatest look, but my God, as far as, as uh, smart career moves go, Stefan Diggs' box score, if he had played the Vikings in Tampa on Sunday, probably would have been something along the lines of this. Targets, four. Catches, three. Let's give him a decent, you know, let's give him 52 yards, okay? Because he catches three balls, no touchdowns. Instead, 10 catches, 130, and one. He has gotten his wish as far as how he should be used. Um, To his credit, he was probably right about that. Stefan Diggs made a very wise career choice in going from the Vikings to Buffalo. What did summarize the ESPN feature again? Like what was the? Oh, main... so they talked about uh, they t- talked about his a- exit from here, in which he basically confirmed he didn't diss Kirk, Kirk at all, uh, but he basically said he went to the coaching staff and he's like, "What are we doing here? Why am I? You know, why am I not being thrown the ball more?" And he essentially said that they were were like, oh, you're going to be throwing the ball. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And uh, he eventually said, no, I'm not. And so then he decided to go on his own little wildcat strike after that loss to the Bears. But he realized early on in 2019 that that they were basically going to do what Zim wants, which is a little bit of Dalvin, a little more Dalvin, 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 Dalvin. So... He did confirm, essentially, that he did not want to be be here, and it wasn't one player, and it wasn't the team itself. He liked the team, but their philosophy on how they were going to try and win games offensively didn't sit well, and guess what? Again, he was right on that. I wish him the best. I think it's awesome that he's having as much success as he is, and I think you nailed it before we turned the mics on. I think we have this tendency when, when players leave or force their way out, it's really easy for us to just dismiss them as villains, right? Screw that guy. He doesn't want to be one of us, so screw that guy. And that's cool. Like, yeah, screw that guy. You know, you can definitely think whatever you want, but maybe we should ask the key question of why did that guy want out? Right. What was the thing that prevented that guy from wanting Especially to play guy here? That good. And smart, by the way. Like, oh, he's yeah. one of the smartest football players yep. at that position. Yes. You know, I th- think there's things we can learn. It, 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 some sort of an exit interview process. And okay. Jefferson is really good. And so I, I think ultimately the trade, the Diggs trade to Buffalo works out for both sides. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't ask the question. Why did a really good Pro Bowl talent who, who you essentially stole in the fifth round of the draft, why did he come back and say, I'm done here? And I will say this, if in a couple of years, Justin Jefferson is subjected to the same things that Diggs was or has a box score like he did on Sunday. He's going to be asking the exact same questions that Diggs asked. Yeah. No question about it. You know, this is going to maybe sound crazy because the Vikings under Mike Zimmer have won a lot of games. They've been competitive. And one of the seven years they were a Super Bowl contender, 2017, kind of a fringe, kind of a fringe Super Bowl contender, but their defense was the best in the NFL. I actually 
felt better in retrospect about some of those Mike Tice teams, as broken as the franchise was in that era. The Vikings knew what they wanted to do to win a Super Bowl, and they knew that it could work if you did a couple things differently. Get a quarterback, get a star wide receiver, Randy Moss, and he you know wanted his way out, and be able to score 30 points a game and go out there and move the ball. Like for three years, they oh, so were able Green's to move teams. the ball, right? No, no, no. I'm talking about the— I'm, I'm talking mean, about Tice or Green? Mike Tice. Stick with me here. Okay. Okay. What I'm saying is those eight and eight, nine and seven Mike Tice teams that we look back on and kind of laugh at, right? Mm-hmm. That was a better route with some tweaking to become a Super Bowl champion than the route that they're on right now. Because that team, even though the coach might not have been right and the defense had a bunch of holes, that team had a great quarterback. They could move the ball offensively and they just needed to draft better defensively and probably have a more organized head coach to push it all over the top. And so they thought they were going to do that with Brad Childress and then Culpepper got hurt, um, you know, the year before he got there and it just like, then they had to reset again mm-hmm. with Mike Zimmer's teams. They're trying to shoehorn a Super Bowl blueprint that really only works once every like 15 years, twice in the early two thousands, but like once every 15 years with a shooting star elite defense, that's the, that's the blueprint that they're putting in front of you right now. Right. It's, yeah, we need this that. defense to be amazing. Right. And I don't think there's any reason to continue going down that path. Like, I think you either need to make major changes or you either need to make a coaching change or a quarterback change. Um, Cause you can't just make a, you, you can't just like add seven all pro defensive players to get back to where you were in 2017. Mm-hmm. So I could see, I could see the path that they were trying to go down 15 years ago, even though that team was like chastised and laughed at. That made more sense love, to me. Star quarterback, score a bunch of points, do enough on defense. This blueprint is no longer making sense to me. I've got a, a off that point, a micro and a macro for you. Okay? The micro, yesterday. We can complain all we want, but that touchdown drive um, or, or two separate touchdown drives, were Zimmer, were, were the plays that the Vikings will make under Mike and and 15 years ago would not have been called penalties, okay? The Harrison Smith hit, which is being looked for at every turn, extended a, a drive on which the Vikings would have held Tampa to at best a field goal, mm-hmm. okay? That hit, though, and that type of play is what Mike wants. And he might not be wrong, but what I'm saying is, again, it's 2020. That gets called now. Uh, the Gladney P.I. The Gladney P.I. is another which was the ultimately resulted in the touchdown off the Harrison Smith call. That's another play that Mike loves. Handsy cornerbacks don't get caught, but you do get caught now. It's 2020. Yeah. The P.I. on Davis in the end zone. Another play. Five years ago, ten years ago, never called, right? But those are all plays that Mike would advocate his defense making, and they get called now. Why? Because this league is about offense. That's the micro. The macro is this. And it's the starting point of Mike's time here, and it's why the idea itself might not work. Mike was hired here because the Vikings couldn't find a quarterback and decided that they were going to try to stop at the time Rodgers, Cutler, Stafford, okay? And that's two thousand. 14. And at that point in time, the league was definitely trending towards offense, but I don't think it was 
where it is now six years after that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you didn't hire Mike by saying, how can we best teams at what the league is doing? You hired him saying, how can we stop that? Because we can't find that. Mm -hmm. And as a macro, my question is, is that the best idea of how you go about your business, especially when the league has continued to trend since then towards quarterbacks, offense, penalty calls to make offense look good? Yeah. Yeah, they're literally, the league is literally year by year making it harder for you to implement your blueprint. Yes. Harder than it was three years ago. It's actually, it's also harder than it was three years ago because the quarterbacks are way more mobile than they were three years. When the Vikings went to the NFC Championship game, yep. Pat Mahomes wasn't even a thing yet, right? 2017 into 18, he was like just be, just becoming a th- Had he even started a game? He started week 17 of that year. Okay. So he had not even become a thing year, yeah. yet. No. And so since since the Vikings basically brought their blueprint to the to the top, mm-hmm. we've got the best defense in the NFL, and we're in the NFC Championship game, and this is our shot at a home Super Bowl. You've added to the league... The greatest quarterback of all time. Let's just like he is. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. He's played for three years and he's the best quarterback. Like longevity is going to have to be a thing at some point. Tom Brady wins on longevity, but what Pat Mahomes is doing is unlike anything we've ever seen. Lamar Jackson has come into the league since then and won an MVP award. Tua, I mean, all these guys that are coming in the league. Josh Allen, mobility, big arm. Yep. Think about how much the league has changed and how hard it is to play defense against these quarterbacks compared to three years ago, compared to 10 years ago. So it's not to say that you shouldn't try to play good defense, but should you be putting your entire blueprint and all your chips on that table? And moving the ball as slowly as possible to get that yeah. defense arrest. You know, Kirk, slow it down! Throw to Ham! It would be like putting the 1989 Detroit Pistons in the 2017 no, NBA exactly, Finals against exactly the Golden right. State Warriors. Yes, that's a thousand percent right. Like, do you, do you know how perfectly they'd have to play their game plan? Zimmer wants to shoot long twos. Mm-hmm. I, I, good or bad, that's what he wants to do. You're exa- that is exactly right. That that's my point. Is I'm not criticizing him as a coach. I think he's a good coach. I'm saying, does what he wants to do work? Mm-hmm. And and. Your Pistons comp is perfect because Zimmer would have loved the bad boys. Yeah, yeah, foul those guys Ruffle hard. their feathers. But it's getting called, Mike, all the time now. Duh. Foul them harder then. And can you imagine, like, and the Pistons would come in and they would all be amazing defenders and athletes, but when Steph Curry steps back and shoots a 35-foot th- uh, three in their face over perfect defense and splashes it five different times, there's literally nothing you can do. And that's what it is playing against some of these guys. And and again, I, I'll, I'll bring up Jalen Hurts' name for the ninth time on the show. I'm not saying that Jalen Hurts is Pat Mahomes. Jalen Hurts might just be a backup quarterback. But what does that tell you? That even like backup caliber mobile quarterbacks in today's NFL can do that to that Saints defensive front yesterday. Yeah, and Carson Wentz gets sacked six times. It's just that simple. Mm-hmm. So anyways, it was good stuff here. It was very therapeutic. Well, yeah, they, they might have Steph Curry but we got Rick Mahorn. And Bill Ambeer. That's right. But Steph Curry's going to just, he's not going to care. No, you don't understand. Stay out of the paint, Steph. <laughs> Steph's like, cool. We'll be back here. I'll shoot from 40 feet. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. All right, that's a wrap on today's Mackie and Judd episode. Remember, Vikings Vent Line on the Purple Daily podcast. And uh, Purple Daily does uh, a deep dive into Viking statements today. So plenty of Vikings therapy for you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. 
and take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.